<laughs> we'll see if we can't get him saved by the end of the service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just uh, join me in a brief word of prayer. Father God, uh, we thank you for all that you've done today already, Lord. We thank you for the way that you've ministered to us and blessed us, Father God. Father, we thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for the liberty that we have in Christ Jesus. And uh, Father, I just thank you for all the individual ministry that by your spirit you are doing in each and every life here today, Father God. Uh, that many of us may not be even aware of. Uh, and we just say, take the liberty, Father God, minister as it is your will to minister and, and, and do the good work that you are doing in all of our lives, Father. Um, uh, Father, it is a humble privilege to share your word and, and uh, just say, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as Pastor CJ said, covenant groups start... Uh, this week, uh, you see these big letters back here on the steps. It's identity. That's the focus uh, that the Lord has us, the main thrust that the, lust ha- that, that the Lord has us going through, uh, through this first semester. And in talking about identity, there is no better place to start to establish that identity, no better source to go to in reference to that identity than the word of God. Amen. There are many things that compete in our minds. There are many things that compete with the word of God if we allow them to, to establish what our identity is, how we see ourselves, how we view the world, how we see things, what is reality to us and what is not. But there's only one thing that is truth, and that is the word of God. Facts change, circumstances change, but God's word remains constant and steadfast. It never changes. Amen? I looked in the mirror this week. Things don't look like they looked 20 years ago. Some facts have changed. Amen? But I can look at those facts and I can let those facts speak to me lies about my worth. Lies about my value. And they'll speak if I let them. And there's a lot to speak about. Concerning me, at least. But the word of God identifies me as special. It identifies me as his son. And it doesn't matter how invaluable or unvaluable I I may think I am. I was valuable enough. For Jesus to get on that cross and die for my sin. Amen? And the same is true for you. Identity basically speaks to who someone is. Our identity is that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Our identity is that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, a little more self-disclosure. I told CJ about this. I work at Kicker. And you'll see where I'm going here in a minute. But I work at Kicker. 
And we have this two-level parking area for our, for our employees. Now, the lower level is closest to the building, so that fills up really fast. I come back from lunch, and I have to park, park on the upper half. Now, where I parked, there's this little grassy knoll, grassy ditch that's in the middle. Well, not much grass on it now, but there's, it's grassy. And I didn't want to walk all the way around to stay on the paid parking lot and make my walk longer than it needed to be. I just was being lazy. So like most of us, I cut right through the grassy ditch. I don't even know how it happened. Next thing you know, my feet are in the air. I'm, my back is hitting the mud. I'm sliding down the ditch and I've got mud everywhere. Now, if you had been there and watched that, and maybe even heard something that came out of my mouth, my identity might not be all that great to you. Thankfully, that moment does not define my my identity. I've repented. I repented pretty immediately, but it slipped out. As, it's, as I'm sliding down, I got mud in the back of my head, my jacket, my pants, my shoes, it's everywhere. Thankfully, I live about five minutes away. I was able to put something in the front seat to kind of, so I didn't muddy up my doggone front seat of my truck, go home and take about an hour to get myself together. But that moment doesn't define me. And just like me, I know that each of you have had your moments. I know you have. You don't have to nod your head. And if we're not careful, we'll let those moments haunt us. We'll let, but the truth of the matter is, I didn't stop being a child of God in that moment. He didn't love me any less. He didn't cross his arm. He didn't. He didn't cross his arms and stand off from me and say, hey, I don't even know you until you make things right. He loved me through it, and his grace was there for me through it. Amen? I want you to uh, turn to 2 Timothy 3.16. Second Timothy 3.16, I'm going to read two different translations, New King James Version and then NIV. Uh, New King James Version, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is the focus of that scripture that I want you, we'll get to the other parts later, but all scripture is given by inspiration. We live in a day where scripture is under attack. Well, if it's not in red, can we really be sure? But it says all scripture. In the NIV, it says all scripture is God breathed. Say God breathed. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, I'm not going to get too academic on you, but the Greek word in both those translations, the one inspired, the one translated inspiration of God and the other God breathed is Theopneustos. Uh, T-H-E-O-P-N-E-U 
S-T-O-S, if you have to write that down. Theonustos. And the word is better rendered, breathed out by God. You know, when I'm speaking, I have vocal cords, but when I speak, the words are carried out by my breath. Amen? Those words are carried on my, uh, on my breath to wherever, whoever's in hearing distance. When God spoke at creation and he said, let there be light. All right. His words were carried on his breath. The spirit of God carried on his breath and, 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 and it was activated and light happened. Amen. It was God breathed. All scripture, it may have been some of it was written by Paul, some of it was written by Peter, some of it was written by Luke, Mark. It doesn't matter. Some was written by prophets, some was written by educated people, some was written by uneducated people, some was written by fishermen. It doesn't matter where they came from. It doesn't matter what their writing style was. It doesn't matter what their education level was. The author, the originator of that word is God himself. So we really can't pick and choose what we're comfortable is with from God and what isn't from God because it's all from God. Amen? That's very important because if there is any doubt cast on any portion of Scripture, there is an open door for doubt to be cast on all of Scripture. Now you hearing me? And so we have to be resolute and steadfast on the issue of the authority of God's word. Okay? Uh, it casts doubt on it if we, if we consider the originator, the author, man. They may have penned it, but the author is God himself. Amen? So if you're reading God's word, you're reading the word that was carried by the breath of God and moved men of God to write what they wrote. They were moved, compelled, inspired by God to write exactly what they wrote. Of that, there can be no doubt in our minds. Amen? So baby, it doesn't matter if it's in red ink or black ink. It's the word of God. Now, I started a little late today, so. Now, since every word of scripture is breathed out by God, we can rest assured that it contains no error whatsoever. Uh, Psalm 18, verse 30. And I'll just, uh, I'll read it while you're getting there. Psalm 18, verse 30 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. All right, God's word is flawless. There is no error in his word. Despite the penmanship of men, the word is flawless. It is exactly what God intended, exactly what he wanted written down. We may not understand it. Some things may be too deep. Some things may be too difficult for understand. But let's not allow our misunderstanding or our circumstances to misinform us concerning the nature of God's word. Amen? Hallelujah. 
Second Peter 1.20. I'm going to read New King, New King James Version again and NIV. Uh, Peter says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. NIV says, says it this way, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own, by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They spoke what was given to them by the breath of God. They just, they, they, they dictated it. They just wrote it down as God gave it to them. It wasn't their own private interpretation. Amen? So as you're reading the Old Testament prophets and so forth, and you're wondering, we got a New Testament apostle giving a shout out to the Old Testament prophets saying every word they wrote was of God. So uh, it's obvious by his writing that Peter is recognizing the Old Testament scriptures as God breathed. But it's not just Peter's opinion that I just read to you. The Holy Spirit also inspired, moved, compelled Peter to recognize the Old Testament scripture as God breathed. It was a message not from Peter to us, not from Peter, but from God. He wanted us to know. You give the Old Testament scripture the same regard as you give the New Testament scripture. The same author, the same author is the author of both. Amen? Hallelujah. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Now, I'm going to show you another thing, too, that you may or may not have seen before. But uh, Peter also, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, acknowledged Paul's letters as being God-breathed. Second uh, Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, if you'll turn there with me, please. It's almost, it's subtle enough that, that, that it can get by you if you're just reading through it. But... We're talking about the authority of God's word. Second Peter three verses 15 and 16 in the NIV. He says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So here he equates it. He said, as they do the other scriptures, which is, with, so the scripture is God breathed. He's equating Paul's letters as God breathed as well, right along with scripture. They distort this like they do the other scriptures, which he's saying Paul's word is scripture. You get that?
So whether it's said in red, whether it's an epistle, a letter from Paul, Peter, John, James, whatever, whether it's Old Testament, whether it's the Pentateuch, whether it is the uh, uh, book of the prophets, or all of it is God-breathed, and we need to regard it as such. Let's go back to Psalm 18, verse 30, just for a second. Because I was beginning to think, well, I'll just let, the, I'll just let it uh, speak to you on its own. Uh, why must we accept the Bible as the primary authority by which God communicates with us? Well, Psalm 18, verse 30, I'll repeat, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who takes refuge in him. His word is truth. His word is flawless. His word is not, his, his, his word is not uh, something that can be uh, uh, modified. It's not something that can be distorted. Why must we view it that way? Well, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please God, right? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, right? Well, how do you get faith? Don't be shy. That's right, Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes from hearing the word. NRV says, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word. We can't even have faith apart from the word. Right? Psalm 1 Verses 1 through 3, I'll just read them to you. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Now, it doesn't mean whatever, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be rich, but whatever you do, prospers. You want your walk in the Lord to prosper? Do what Psalm 1 says. We got to know the word. We got to, we got to read the word. We got to delve into the word. We've got to own, take ownership of the word in our lives. And if we do that, we'll be I love this where it says we'll be rooted I'll get there it's like a tree planted or rooted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither so this tree is planted right by the streams of water there is an endless supply an endless flow of provision and those roots are sunk deep into the ground and that, and that endless flow and endless supply just continues to nourish it and it continues to, it continues to thrive and grow and produce fruit in its season. 
So as we delve into the word of God, you know, that root of righteousness, that, 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 that root of God's word begins to dig deep. And then that flow and supply of the spirit of God is continued to nourish it and continue to help us grow and, and, and to enable us to bear fruit for the Lord. Amen. It's not something that just happens by happenstance. It's something that we have to actively engage. So we have, we, we, we can't play around. We've got to accept the Bible as the primary authority of God. The primary authority by which God communicates to us what he wants us to believe and how we should conduct ourselves. Everything else, you know what? You've got to measure it against what is revealed in scripture. If it does not, if, if it does not compare, if it is not consistent, then you throw it away. Hallelujah. But I couldn't put this away. This scripture came to mind after, as I was reading Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, and thinking about that tree being planted by the streams of water. Uh, so I'm going to read Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 19, uh, in which Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And in Joshua 1.8, God instructed Joshua to, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. All right. So there's a purpose for meditating in it day and night. All right. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. I, I, I don't want you just talking nonsense. I don't want you to just talk just any kind of old way. I want you to always have the word of God spewing from your lips, flowing from your lips. I want you to, 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 to think it. I want you to talk it. I want you to do it. And then he says, meditate on it day and night. So think continually on it. It doesn't mean you can't think on other things throughout the day, but continually throughout the day. You know, if you have a quiet time, if you have a time in the word, don't just don't just put that on the shelf for the rest of the day once your quiet time is over, all right? But let that word percolate in your heart, you know? Continue to think on, continue to, to continue to pray on it and ask God to give you insight and, 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 and to give you revelation into it and, 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 and to reveal to you how you can, can tap into that truth and walk in it. Amen? But um, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So, so there's a purpose, all right? God is expecting obedience to his word. Amen? He's expecting us to walk in his word. Not just know it, but to live it. Then 
you will be prosperous and successful. Now, I'm not saying do this and get and get a hundred thousand dollars. And that's not. That's not. I want to. I want to clarify that. All right. If God's. If God has it for you to be wealthy, praise God for you. You know, give me a loan. But that's not for everybody. All right. And we have to be cool with whatever God, whatever path God has for us. Now, rich doesn't mean you're that you've got a lot of stacks of hundreds in the bank account, a lot of zeros on your paycheck. All right. It means you got more than enough. It means your needs are being met and then some. You got enough that you can bless others. I can be rich in my soul, my spirit. I can be rich in my walk with the Lord. I can be rich in love, you know? And so, so I, I can be rich in, in the word of God. I, you can be rich in a lot of ways. We don't need to equate that to money, all right? Not that God is impervious to your money situation and he can bless you over and above all that you ever ask or think. All right, but that is more of an offshoot, not a focus. All right. Hallelujah. And uh, the last scripture I wanted to share on that uh, in response to that question, why we must accept the Bible as a primary authority of God, about which God communicates to us what he wants us to believe and how we should conduct ourselves, is the scripture I started off with. Second Timothy three verses 16 and 17. So now I'm going to add verse 17 to that as well. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It ought to be our heart's desire to be thoroughly equipped for every good work that the Lord would have us do. Amen? It ought to be our heart's desire to want to be taught, to accept rebuke and correction, to want to be trained in righteousness, recognizing the benefits of going through that. Is that we will become, we're, we're opening ourselves up to allow God to equip us for every good work. But we have to be steadfast. We have to be resolute that God's word is authoritative. It is the authority. We don't give place to other voices, other ideologies that would war against the truth of God's word and war against our souls, war against our faith and cause us to be double-minded and to waver. And we're not sure which way is coming and which way is going, which way is left and right, and, and, and which way is the path God has marked out for us. Our identity is in the word is in the Lord. Amen?
I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, as I pretty much cover the last point I want to cover today. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Reading from the NIV, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I want to. I, I, I want to. I want to restate that first part. The word of God is alive and active. God's word is full of life. It's the living word of God. Scripture is not just inanimate words on a page that we have to activate. His word is alive, it's active, it's powerful all the time. Not to blow your mind, but even when you're not seeing results, his word is alive and active and powerful. All right? So do not let the lack of signs or results misinform you like I said earlier about the nature of God's word his word is true even when the circumstances are trying to tell us otherwise God's word, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I wrote it, so I'm going to say it. God's word must be held in high esteem and highly magnified at all times. Circumstances be darned. That's got to be our attitude. You know, I I don't listen to circumstances. I don't listen to the situation. I don't listen to the feelings. I, I acknowledge them, but I don't listen to what they're trying to tell me. All right. If what they're telling me defies what God has already spoken, what God has already declared, what I already know to be true, what I've seen as a reality in my life. I cannot allow the circumstances to tell me otherwise. Amen. And I would encourage you again, if you're like me and you're looking in the mirror and it ain't like it used to be. Don't you listen to that liar. Even if that liar is you, don't listen. You know, you say, hey, I I, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand. Glory to God. 
this is a topic, this is a study that could literally be, he could take a month easily and, and, and talk about the authority of God's word. But I want to, I want you to stand and I want you to just find your, your happiest place. Just find it, just, just, just focus on what I'm saying right now and just try to tune out the noise, tune out all this other stuff. Cause I, cause I'm about to personalize the word of God to you a little bit and, and, you know, we all endeavor to do our quiet times and, and read the word of God every day and so forth and so on. But, but I want you to, to be careful. I want you to not. I'm going to paint a different picture that, that I hope will help you regard the word of God just a little bit higher uh, in esteem. It's good that we get into God's word every day, but not so much if we're just doing it as a task, you know, doing it as an assignment, doing it so that, you know, uh, we can memorize scripture and so forth and so on. Uh, I would say, imagine if your spouse or your a loved one, a parent or a child, uh, we just got through in wartime, was in wartime, and that and, and, and that child of yours is off in Iraq during the heat of the war and everything. All right? Now, when that child writes you a letter, all right, imagine you haven't spoken to your child. You don't know if your child's alive or dead. You don't know what the situation is over there, but you know it's hot and heavy and everything. And all of a sudden, you get a letter in the mail from that loved one. Imagine how much regard you would have for that letter. Imagine how much you would esteem every word and how much you would pour over those letters because it has deep meaning to you. There, there is relationship associated with those words. You, you are invested in the one who had those word, who, who wrote those words and they, and they are special to you. You don't read it because you feel obligated to. You don't, you don't, you don't read it just to get a little something out of it. Okay. You, you read it because it's deep. <laughs> All right. You, you, you read it because of the love that exists between the two of you. And I would encourage you to have that mindset with the word of God. The Bible is God's letter to us. It's his love letter to us. It's got a lot of things in there that is hard to, you know, hard to embrace. But the bottom line of it is we were in sin. We were separated from God. God had a plan to redeem us, to reconcile us to himself. He came and took upon himself sinful flesh, paid the penalty for our sins that gave us a way to be reconciled with him so we can be with him for our, forever. And it, that is the Bible. That is his love letter to us. And he's given us those words for us to pour over. So when we open up that Bible, we should see, oh my gosh, this is the words of life from the lover of my soul.
the one who gave himself for me, the one who became sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in him. He loves me so. What has he got for me today? What, what, what is in today's letter? What can I, what, I, I want to know his heart. What is on his mind today? I, I just want to soak it up. And that, that is the best way that I personally could think of to try and just bring it home and, and kind of give you a picture of how we can just uh, 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 elevate and esteem God's word and really tap into the truths, uh, those truths and those principles and the life and the, the life flow that is resident in them. That life and that activity and that power that is in them can be tapped into if we regard it properly. Amen? I'm talking about relationship, and that's what we're about here at New Covenant. Relationship. Let's remember to hold that relationship with God in high esteem when we open his love letters to us. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves before you today. Lord, we thank you for what you've done and what you're doing and shall continue to do. We thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is flawless. Your word is truth. Your word is our authority. Even Jesus, when he was tempted by the enemy in the wilderness, his every response was, it is written. He elevated the word and the enemy had to go. Because the shield of the word gave him no place. <laughs> he had to go. And Lord, it is my prayer that that flawless word, Father, that we esteem that word and elevate that word, Father God, and, and, and remove all doubt that may exist in our minds and so forth about your, uh, about your word, Father, and that we would we would so elevate your word of God, Father God, that when we are attacked, that when the enemy does come against us like a flood, we can do like Jesus and say, Satan, it is written. And make him flee because the word of God will just shield us and give the enemy no place to penetrate and do damage in our lives. The Father, we esteem you. We love you. We ask you for the grace, Father God, to, uh, uh, to, to hold your word in the authority uh, that, it, that, it, that it deserves, to hold your word, Father God, in the, uh, in, in the esteem and regard that it so rightly deserves, Father God, and give us, the, give us wisdom, Father God, to yield in such a way that we're able to tap into that flow. Tap into that life, that life producing, life giving activity of the word of God that was given to us from your very breath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
bless your people, Father God, and bless all, uh, uh, bless the covenant groups, Father God, in, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to ask the, um, the ministry team if you guys would come forward. I just want to give you guys an opportunity. <clears throat> There's anything you want, want prayer for, need the Holy Spirit to help you with, need God to intervene in your life. I just want to invite you to come up and allow the ministry team just to pray with you and, and just to minister to you. Okay? So uh, uh, right after we dismiss, you're free to go. And then if you would like to come up, we'd just love to have you. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your goodness. Oh, we thank you that we can count on your word. We can, we can rest and lean our whole lives on the authority of your word. We thank you for being, us being reminded of that today. And I just pray and speak your blessing on every person here, every family represented. We love you, Father, because you first loved us. We thank you for your goodness. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And you guys have a good time this week in your covenant groups. If you haven't signed up yet, go ahead. There's a few more spots left. Go ahead and sign up so we can get you, get you counted in. Thank you. Thank you.